and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 432. That's right. Tonight we are talking about DC's Infinite Frontier Initiative, uh, the first Green Lantern book in this new era of DC is out. Um, we have, uh, we got the, the, it's just Green Lantern. It's not the Green Lantern or Green Lantern Corps or anything like that. Uh, it's Jeffrey Thorne is our new writer, um, and Dexter Soy and Marco Santucci are on the art. Um, and yeah, issue one is out. So yeah, it's, uh, it's time to talk about this, uh, you know, I want to say, I'm going to say much anticipated because regardless of whether you anticipate liking it or hating it, it's, you know, (laughs) it's anticipated. We're look, we're looking forward to see what our reaction would be. So, uh, much anticipated series, uh, given, especially how we felt about the Green Lantern. And even the future state and infinite frontier stuff. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's an interesting riding the wave. It's interesting going into this issue, kind of like up, up and down based on different thoughts and where we were in the Green Lantern franchise before, before this book was announced, let alone now that it's coming out. So yeah. Did you, uh, which cover did you get? Uh, I got the Kelly being obnoxious cover. Yeah, I got that one, but I also got the Brian Hitch cover. Uh, I think I'm going to get these Brian Hitch variants for as long as they're out. Have you seen the Brian Hitch cover? I did see both. It I didn't really it didn't really matter that much to me which one I got. So this was the one that was pulled for me. So I I just I didn't feel any need to. I mean, I'm not particularly fond of this cover, regardless of Kelly. You know what Kelly's doing, just the way most of the characters are drawn are drawn um, that we know uh kyle did you uh did you happen to see the uh, I, I mean i guess it all depends on your lcs did you happen to see the uh one in 25 variant cover by uh alex malave i may have seen it but i don't think i saw it today i just sent you the link so you can take a look at it let's take a um look. you know it, i don't necessarily like it the one in 25 but oh yes given, no. given that it's a first issue in a green lantern series and it's a 125 variant if i was presented with it i probably would have bought it just to have it my my lcs wouldn't have charged me for full price like uh, sorry my lcs wouldn't have charged me extra for it it would have just been the same the price of any other issue they wouldn't have up- upsold me on it yeah i think based on my history i think that is i think that is also true with mine i don't think they i don't think they charge extra for the for the variants but i i would definitely not have been I would not have gravitated towards that. Yeah, the main cover guy, by the way, is guys, uh, it's Bernard Chang. Uh, it's the one with Kelly 
putting her finger in a guardian's chest very accusingly. The And then, of course, I talked about the Brian Hitch cover. Brian Hitch also has a variant cover solicited for issue two, which features Joe, and I'm pretty sure he's got one for issue three. Yes, which features Joe and Teen Lantern. So I think moving forward, at least for all the solicited issues of Green Lantern so far, I think I'm just going to get uh, the the Hitch covers. I got I got both covers. You know, it's hard to say. So I think so. It's hard to say, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent right away. But the the cover to issue two is the Here Lies a Guardian of the Universe cover. Right. And they're all looking down in the grave. That trope is a very very iconic comic book cover thing in DC history to do that. You know, mystery. Uh, sort of cover where like so and so member of the Justice League has died and everybody's around like there's a lot of covers in comic book history that do this very thing so I kind of like the callback to it um, but I do really like the Brian Hitch variants so you know you don't want to double dip uh, just for saving money on stuff if you can avoid it but at the same time that that issue to cover uh, it's it's such an iconic thing history wise that I think I just I think I'm gonna have to get two copies of issue two as well. No, they they love you, Chad. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sucker. Um, <laughs> there's a sucker boy in every minute. Uh, and his name is Chad Bokum. <laughs> oh yeah, we talk. We talk. We'll talk about. Uh, we'll, yeah, maybe. We talk about, we'll talk about that later if we have time. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. If no, we, we can. Time. Let's deal. We can. We could. Te- we could technically probably do it depending on. We again. We have. Since we haven't really announced what else we're going to be doing other than this issue review, we have freedom to, to pick and choose what we want to do. Well, I mean, I could talk about it. It's not like going to be a long conversation. It's yeah, well, we never know, Chad. That's <laughs> yeah, the point. It's Funko involved, folks. Uh, anyways, uh, uh, all right, man. Uh, you're, you're doing the recap of this one. Uh, have at it. All right. You announced most of the creative team. Rob Lee, Letters, Bernard Chang, and Alex Sinclair did the main cover. Hitch and Sinclair did the variant cover. Bixie Matthew, there's a cool name, assistant editor, Mike Cotton editor, Jimmy S. Rich group editor, and you get the usual Siegel and Schuster Superman. Does that have to be like in every DC comic now? Uh, no, only if Superman's involved. So because uh, they because they mention Krypton, that's the reason why. Yes. Okay. I, I don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't. I. I've, Siegel and Schuster's family should get everything <laughs> everything they're entitled to, but I just stands out yeah. like a sore thumb because we've been seeing it so often in books that we've been reviewing. So the the source of peace is the actual title of this issue. And as an early disclaimer, I've only read this issue once, which was about an hour ago. Maybe actually that's not really true. About two hours ago. <laughs> so if I'm if I get stuck in a point or I gloss over something, that's where I I hope Chad will jump in. And there might be some questions we both have. I don't know if we're going to help each other with related to Kelly, since neither one of us really read a lot of Kelly. So yeah, I wish I would have caught up on it before this issue came out. Well, you know, as a brief tangent, but it isn't a tangent because it's related to a story. It wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt comics in in these days to actually still have some asterisks and little boxes to fill you in on some stuff. So yeah. you're not always. It doesn't have to be as much as as much as we made fun of that one Silver Age issue when literally if it wasn't every panel, it was every page had like multiple references for that the things that happened to editor's notes. We don't have to go to that extreme, but it wouldn't hurt to actually give you a little to give you some information about stuff that that, you know, a sizable percentage of your audience may not be up to date on, especially since. So that that was one thing I did notice because. uh, But we'll get to that specifically in story. 
So we begin on Oa, good, good, good cover, a good splash page of John Stewart telling all the lanterns to clear the civilians. Everyone fall back. There's obviously some kind of attack going on in Oa. Simon, God help us, he shows up to tr- you know, to try to find out what's going on with by you know asking John what the hell is going on. One thing as a commentary, we know John was in the military. We don't have to have watch your damn six, I think, in every issue. <laughs> and I hope it's not going to be like, I hope that's not going to happen because we got that during the Thorn future state stories. I don't think we need to. It's kind of a trope. We know we don't need to go. You know, it's, we don't need to reinforce John's military by having that happen. We said every issue. OK, off the soapbox. So Simon, Simon goes to help John. All John cares about is where Kelly is, Teen Lantern, because Simon was supposed to be taking care of her. And. They look down and they see Kelly basically holding holding her own. John tells Simon, go down there and get her. And oh, she's got. Then we have a hawk girl, not Amira, a Thanagarian representative to this peace conference that they what the what the United Federation of Planet or Council, whatever the hell like whatever the hell they actually call this thing. But she she's a representative of one of the one of the groups there because once we go back to the once we flash back to what led to this and we get her actual introduction, she's, of course, you know, there's green energy and, and, and it's coming out from like this, the center of Oa and all she sees is a city destroyed. So she's blaming she's blaming the Green Lantern Corps. So now, of course, now we flash back to like two hours ago at the so-called Battery Plaza, which we haven't heard before. And it's this is kind of a cool uh, double pl- double page scene where you have john and the and hal even though hal's not really there it's like a hologram of hal and they're kind of like checking in about the united planets conclave which was being which the the guardians basically invited them to have this on oa and talk about some of their misgivings about it they're not sure this is a good idea and of course you got red lanterns and yellow lanterns among others that are that are all there i'm glad they acknowledged john wearing the kryptonian outfit because that's the first thing i saw when i read this issue it's like why is he dressed like a kryptonian and he just kind of I mean, it's not a great explanation, but at least they acknowledge that, yes, you're not crazy for thinking he's dressed like a Kryptonian. Yeah, that's something I thought of immediately. I was like, this looks like classic Kryptonian. Yeah, stuff. yeah, I did, too. And, it's and, like, and, and I was it. like, I was, I was all set to, like, point it out. And then they referenced it later in the issue. And yes. I was like, oh, OK, so yeah. that's on purpose. Or at least at least I'm not crazy. Yeah, that's how I felt, too. And at least they don't give you a great explanation, but at least they acknowledge that, no, you're not stupid or or seeing things or they yeah, it's funny because yeah. I, I I've been re over the past two or three weeks I've been slowly rereading all of the new Krypton stuff from the minute Candor's restored all the way up till I think it was Superman 700. Um, so I'm I you know I'm, I got Kryptonians on the brain like classic Kryptonians because it's Candor restored so you see a lot of the culture and stuff and their clothes so I was like it looks like it looks like a Kryptonian uh, garb like immediately. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like the like the Krypton man when the Eradicator was in. I mean, well, I mean, we also saw um oh what what the the the, the generations shattered was that the or was it forged which one which one was the second one second one was forged forged uh, didn't they go back to early Krypton yeah but I don't think they were wearing that kind of I think they were remember in that crypt in the in that Krypton they were wearing the old green and Oh, green, that's right. With, like, the, with, the, with the yellow and like the, the center and the suits. belt. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. this is this is more Man of Steel. But the but the Eradicator is the Krypton Man look. Yeah, was yeah, wearing yeah, the, yeah. wearing that the classic kind of tunic. Yeah, sorry for the tangent. Go ahead. It's all right. It's it's a, it's it's an issue related tangent. Those were allowed in this issue <laughs> in this episode. Uh, you talk about your color of socks, then we're stopping the recording. <laughs> 
So now we have the hawk girl, uh, Amira. She, this is where we get introduced to her, and she kind of talk. Basically, she's there to kind of like a she's like an irritant, and she's making it clear she's not a fan of the Green Lantern Corps, and she's and that she having the Guardians bringing all pretty much almost the entire Corps back to Oaf for this conclave. She kind of sees it as a oh that's just it's a it's a show of strength, and that basically psychoanalyzing every the, the core that the, and the guardians that they're afraid of being replaced and, and the new paradigm that's speak that's being formed and all that she you know she's you know she's there to be an irritant and maybe and probably in to foreshadow us john stewart relationship because of hawk girl in the uh, animated show but in this issue alone she's just there to kind of be an be an irritant you know hal and john kind of shake it off the, the guardians check in and they ask uh, hal to give them a report on the on the crux world's which is where John, excuse me, where Hal, Jessica, and Kyle, the missions that they were sent on, they were referenced in the Infinite Frontier Zero, which of course Simon all got all pissy about, that all all these in, important crucial worlds, they were all sent to basically uh, keep an eye on them, make sure nothing was get, you know, everything was under control in those worlds. So in those systems, Hal's was sent to Earth, surprisingly. Uh, Jessica was sent to Sector 0123. And Kyle was basically sent to close to the Vegas system. That's what you know. That that's what Hal's been up to. He's he's basically goes to uh to continue his mission. He tells John, hey, if you need me, just you know where I'll be. So as far as the initial concern about Hal being portrayed as a dick immediately in the Jeffrey Thorne run, you can feel assuaged about that because he he is written like Hal, and there's no and there's no issue there. You get the little I like the little all will be well message about uh. John, when Hal's giving John a little pep talk to maybe try not to be a little as to be as brooding as you are. And hey, just remember, oh, remember what those blues say, all will be well. The Guardians, you know, the Guardians called John Stewart you know, for, for a meeting. And then we go back to now we get to the Kelly stuff. You know, Kelly is like uh, basically she's resisting the Guardians because the Guardians want to take the gauntlet off of her so they can study it. And they do want to be fair. They do want to take it apart. And that, so I can understand why she would not be willing to do that. Simon and you know Simon and John basically try to try to keep the peace or moderate between what the Guardians want and, Kel- and, and Kelly act, Kelly acting out. John has Simon take Kelly basically to a, you know go spend some time with her, see the sights, go get something to eat. And John and the Guardians have this conversation about the gauntlet, and the Guardians are concerned, even though it's not Krona's gauntlet, it's basically built on a similar tech, and it draws power not from the central power battery, and they find that very troubling. And they also just they believe that the, basically this gauntlet showing up now at the time of the the changing with the, with the omniverse and the, and the changing of the status quo, they don't believe it's a coincidence. So that's what that's what their concern is. Now John gets impressed because the Guardians actually ask his opinion on things. We get a nice throwback to when John was a Guardian because we don't hear that reference very often anymore during the Mosaic, you know, the end of Mosaic and everything. But the Guardians reference that that you were a Guardian, you know, you did. You know, you did it, you know, as we do, and you had that power set us, but you're also a human. So you were the bridge, John Stewart. That's how they refer, they refer to him as. And John, you know, and John does express that, you know, the, that he has concerns, you know, the galaxy pretty much on the edge here. The United Planets might be the right thing at the right time, or as one of the Guardians chimes in, or set off a frenzy of violence not seen in millennia. It is what we have agreed. It is why we have agreed to host the gathering. So that was kind of cool. We have a nice little double splash page, which looks very much like the Senate of the Republic in episode one in the Phantom Menace. You have all these little circular pods and all these different aliens from all these different races are, 
are but sitting no, there. No, no ET race, unfortunately. No, no ET. And to be fair, I think there's a lot of things that we we aren't overly familiar with. Uh, you clearly you see the red you see the Red Lanterns on their little on their their little base. But you yeah, have, which we'll talk about both Red Lanterns and Yellow Lanterns and why they have a membership on this United Planets later. We don't need to get into that now, but th- there's a reason they are. It's not just they're they're not just there because they're lanterns. They're there because of planetary reasons. Right. So we have um, PFL. Yeah, you know, she's from what Kalu, and she's kind of like she's being like the moderator here. And first we uh, get like a. So, sorry, sorry, I was answering your question. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we- Ka- Ka- Kalu is uh, Kalu has multiple planets basically. No, did I the, say the, num- the, I missed the number? No, yeah, New Ka- Kalu. Yeah, right. so the the Kaluans have uh, I don't know I think they might have populated I don't know if it's a sector or a solar system or whatever, but there are multiple Kalus or K- Kaluan settlements on different right. planets. So she says she's from New Kalu, so that's good enough for us. So we get a slight curveball because we think that there we think at least what was forty over forty three. 46%, 46.3% of the attendees there think they're, that the whole point of, of coming to OWA is to basically vote whether the Guardians and the, are going to be the police of the, of, the, of the Omniverse. And the reality is, uh, and the police, official policing agency of the United Planets, when actually what's, being vo- what's going to be voted on is whether OWA is actually even going to be included in the United Federation of Planets. We cut to, we cut to Kelly, who's drawn really weird in this issue. I don't think it works. I mean, because it stands out like not being realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's you know, she's talking to uh, Fuzix, which is this uh, flo- floating. It's weird. It's kind of hard to describe. It it, she, it does remind me of something, but it's kind of hard to kind of hard to describe what this alien is. Oh, the and, thing she just talked says is a wedding dress. Yes, yeah, it, but she doesn't really look like a wedding dress. Uh, but nonetheless, so she starts they having this this conversation and like looks like a jellyfish. Yeah, it does. But you know what? It, oh, you know what? It, it looks like it kind of the head shape also looks like the aliens from Independence Day. Yeah, it's true. That's 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 what I couldn't place. So it's, a, it's a it's a space jellyfish. Uh, if the the tendrils were more serpent like. Yeah, I guess that's that's a pretty good description. Yeah. So they're having a back and forth. You know, he's asking her like what sector she protects, and of course she doesn't really have a sector. And you know, she's kind of explaining like uh. She she thinks that she he looks she the alien looks like something like out of knights and fairy tales and she talks about gem world and this alien asks about gem world you know she he understands what knight means but he doesn't understand what gem world is and I do like Simon slipping her that uh that uh plant that tastes like hot wings and while she's eating with mustard on it too when she's eating it and she's about to talk about gem world now are these aliens from gem world? No, um, which I'll, I'll get into where they're from, as well as the other planets mentioned in here, because uh, th- there's a lot of reasons I like this book um, and uh, the planets mentioned and where these guys are from specifically, as well as some of the other planets that are only mentioned by name once is a big reason why. So I'll, I'll, we'll, okay. we'll circle back to that. All right. Oh, the, the ma- that magic term. Ooh, circle back. Uh, so basically you have these magic, they're, 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 they seemingly are magic based and they only, they almost, and they look like elementals. You know, the main, the main, the main chick here, we, we get her name. And if you know, uh, what is it? Iridian that she is water based and you have fire. And so basically they're like water based. Ma- it's like magical elementals. And they have a bone. Basically, they have a bone to pick, not just with Kelly, but just generally speaking with anything Green Lantern related because of what they did with the Starheart. 
contain, which I'm sure made you happy referring to the star heart being captured and everything else. It's not the only Alan Scott reference in here, by the way. No, 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 no. But uh, one question, because they did not do this in, in Future State or in the Infinite Frontier number zero. Is Kelly going back and forth between Spanish and English part of her normal thing? Or do you have no idea either? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was because I have read, I think, six issues, the first six issues of Young Justice. It's it's been a while, so it's hard to recall exactly. I'm pretty sure her switching back and forth though is is uh, common. Well, as someone who has no history with her other than the stories we read in, in the last few months, I will say that's quite jarring compared to what how they had her in the in the last few months because <laughs> they didn't do any of that in Infinite Frontier and they didn't do any of that in uh, Future State. So well, we have to we have to remember uh, future Future State. Um, wasn't written by Jeffrey Thorne. Um, and the uh, Infinite Frontier that was was only like three pages max. Well, yeah, but so. still, I mean, I I guess if I guess it could be a, a, a it could be a reason, but it's it's inconsistent. And okay. It should be con- and no, it should fine. be and it should be consistent. I'm not not really a fan of that. I think that'll get old for me if they keep doing that throughout. But it because I had only read her and previously and those in the last couple of months of stories we've done to me, it stood out more like a sore thumb going back to it. They should have been, they should have been consistent if they were going to, they're go- going to do that. Uh, so Uridian basically uh, put, you know, gets in, so it's getting to a fight with Kelly, John, I mean, excuse me, Simon steps in to try to protect her. Now we, we cut, we, you know, we cut, you know, we cut to the vote on uh, to try to get whether to find out whether the guardians are going to be uh, accept. Oh, uh, whether it's going to be accepted into United Federation. Yeah, it's really, it's- yeah, I'm getting Star Trek. United Planets. Uh, so it's interesting seeing some of the planets that vote yes and vote no. Daxum votes to deny. That's not a surprise. I don't think that surprises anybody. Yeah, uh, for and for those of you who are new to DC or uh, Green Lantern or, or you know just whatever, Daxum is historically xenophobic, which is interesting that they they would right. join the United Planets yes. in the first place. <laughs> I was like, but, we'll, we'll join, but none of you guys ever come here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> none of you guys are allowed in the building. <laughs> but, I mean, their history with – so, again, we'll, we'll circle back to all the planets that are mentioned here and go deeper into it. It's interesting because they're xenophobic. Uh, it's also interesting, though, it, and it kind of makes sense given their interaction with lanterns. In, in their mind – so – um, Sodom Yat getting the power of Ion going into their sun turn their red sun yellow Daxamites are sort of offshoots of Kryptonians so when their red sun became yellow the entire inhabitants of Daxum got Kryptonian like powers and then when uh, Sodom uh, left the sun or rather Krona or, uh, ripped Ion out of Sodom and Sodom was kicked out of the sun it turned back to red so they all lost their superpowers so Populous wise and then fitting with their xenophobic agenda, I would assume that they have a mad on towards the Green Lantern Corps. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, we get our we get our explanation for why John's wearing his Kryptonian outfit. He just basically it's it's owed it's bec- he thought it was proper because it was Superman and and, uh, and his son who basically set this whole United Planet things in order. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do I I do like the the regular. Green Lantern dress uniforms. I, I kind of I kind of like I think that's kind of cool. 
uh, it's nothing special, but uh, with the, almost like a sat, almost like the sash like effect to a certain extent with the cape. And uh, that's where you get, that's where we get guy. We get guy introduced in this issue. John now contacts Simon and talks about the crap that's going on with uh, Uridian and Teen Lantern. And of course, uh, Amira there kind of like steps in, you know, she's like hovering. Literally, it's like, a, hey, what, what, what is this core leader? Some threat my brigade should take take for you. So she's just she's like Ballbuster 101 here. Uh, meanwhile, all the the these magical elementals pretty much are all like holding hands and chanting, and they start reaching out to into the core of Oa itself, which would be amazing that anything is actually alive in in, in Oa, considering how many times it's been blown up. <laughs> That's kind of a problem when you think about it. But basically now. Basically, basically, they reach out to this thing and then they chant. But I'm, I'm only going to try to say it once. Adamantentrum, a tentrium. I'm not saying it again. Uh, and this thing basically, you know, just breaks out from underneath uh, the surface of Oa. So this this links us back into where the beginning of this issue was. So that's mm-hmm. the attack that everybody is dealing with. Uh, hey, we get a deck star and what bleeds. Exciting. That's that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh at this same, meanwhile, while this is going on, we have the Sinestro Corps, <laughs> the the uh, as I'm missing the word in my head, basically the the entourage there, the uh, envoys from from the uh, Sinestro Corps from New Corridor, show up, and of course, and mind you, I don't think any of these characters are drawn particularly well. Sinestro is passable, but it's not good Sinestro, and Sinestro pretty much recaps his entire history history with the Guardians and why the and why the Guardians and and pretty much suck why owen suck and what and so new corridor votes votes to deny the the main battle is going on all these yellow ma- t- tendrils come out and john is fighting with amira trying to uh, fighting alongside her trying to stop what's going on and are we supposed to know who this guy is that shows up no good because lord knows we don't he look he he kind of looks like a Almost, almost like a space hippie there, and, it's, and Duex Machina here, he just shows up, this guy, and he goes, hey, forgive me, core leader, but you can't expel this thing you're fighting from reality. It's like the Guardians built it to defy any attack like this. This this creature was designed because they feared the power and the disorder of the spectrum, you know, the emotional spectrum. And it feeds off it feeds off the emotion and gets drawn to the emotion. So John, John tells, you know, John, t- you know, tells you, Everyone, and you pretty much, you know, get, you know, get the, get the Reds out of here, get the Red Lanterns as far away as possible, and and everybody else, everybody else is pretty, just you try to, you know, calm, you just calm down, you try to not take any action, you just try to like, you know, still your minds, almost, almost like in a meditate, meditative like state, and as he, as, and as all, he's, he's reciting the Green Lantern oath, which seems to be the be all end all to everything these days, which is not, I guess, really the worst thing in the world, but as we do. As this continues, uh, this creature gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and basically it fits into the palm of of John Stewart's hands. And Uridian's all upset. It's like, no unfair thieves. The Starheart must be free. We cut. It's kind of funny while all this is going on, they're still having their diplomatic their diplomatic session. The Guardians, and it does look like Ganth. It it may it seemingly can't be, but it it but this Guardian more or less like does a mea culpa here and talks about you know the, the mistakes they've made in the past. And that, you know, if you basically bring us in to the United Planets, you know, we're not going to be your rulers. We're not going to be your parents. Maybe at best, we're going to be like your eldest siblings. And, you know, we agree that it's time. Basically, everybody becomes one. Kumbaya, yada, yada. And then at this point, 
all the votes are in and, and the Guardians find out that, hey, the Guardians and Oa have been accepted into the United Planets. We, are, we, we have a looks like like an intergalactic Legolas here right, riding on this dragon going, no, we must free the heart, free the heart. So he, he takes his yellow, yellow, orangish arrow, shoots it into the Guardians, into the male Guardian's heart. You know, he like he like almost like vaporizes into ash and is like, he's dead. My brother's dead. And then you have the look and different different members of the uh, enclave there. And of course, Sinestro is the one that has a smile on his face. Next issue, funeral for a guardian. Uh, yeah, I've got a lot to say, but I don't want to monopolize. So anything you wanted to get out in particular before I launch into something? I'm trying to think if there's if there's something that I did not talk about while I when I was doing the review um because there probably is something um personally i could have done without simon being so front and center but we kind of knew that was going to happen at least in in this issue i don't know it my my general thoughts are with with some reservations this issue was not bad i don't know if it's it's really going to be so united planets heavy i don't think that it's going to work for me long term but Mm. as 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 a story as a story arc and it is certainly an, an introductory issue other than the stuff with Kelly. Like, I, I was, this issue made me less of a fan of Kelly than it was in the, even if this is up and I don't know if it is, even if this is more of an accurate representation of the way she was portrayed previously, I liked it. I was fine with the way she was portrayed in infinite frontier and future state. I didn't really like her that much here uh, as much. Just to say that I didn't like her as much. But overall, it wasn't it wasn't bad. There wasn't anything in this issue that would make you bring everybody up in arms about, you know, about Jeffrey Thorne in this book. So that was my initial thoughts. Uh, so. All right. We've talked about it. Uh, I don't remember the episode number, but, you know, maybe Mark will find it. It just doesn't really matter at this point. We talked about on the show the controversy surrounding Jeffrey Thorne's uh, previous comments in, in the past about uh, before being brought onto this book about Hal Jordan. Uh, from what I can see here in the, 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 the word bubbles and the portrayal of Hal Jordan in this issue seems like a non-starter. Okay. So I, 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 I still believe that we were right to be concerned, but I think the consensus was, all right, well, let's wait till the issue comes out. And if Hal is involved in any way, shape or form, let's see how he's treated and go from there. I think Hal is Hal in this works for me. Um, he is Hal has always been very supportive of John, um, you know, even from back in the day. So I really like that. I like that he's sort of uh, being uh, asked to run point on the other lanterns and uh, the Justice League and su- protecting 2814 and, and all this other stuff or uh, pretty much you know, the, the big skirmishes in the universe outside of uh, the center of the universe where, where O is, is located during this. Uh, so while John is core leader, Hal is tr- entrusted in the position of sort of running point on everything else. So I like that. Works all, it all works for me. Art really enjoyed the art. You mentioned a couple of artistic uh, things, which I, for the most part, agree with here and there, but I really freaking enjoyed the art overall. Uh, I think the most noticeable thing for me was, though, you mentioned a a panel or two where, um, or or a panel, rather, where Bleeze and Dexter show up. Um, Dexter is, is, is drawn to look more like a humanoid cat rather than an actual cat. Um, 
because he's got like arms and elbows and shit like that. Um, so he is, he is, uh, that that's an artistic mistake that bothers me a little bit or an artistic choice. I don't know. You also mentioned the art style, uh, that was used for the yellow lantern core. I mostly agree with you on that, but I don't think it's too di- uh, different of a choice. So, it, you know, it, it, regardless, I like it more than Tom Rainey. So there's that the story. Um, so in solicits, um, you can talk about, uh, we can talk a bit about, how the plans for the future supposedly allude to the fact that the land, the power battery is going to die or explode or run out of charge or whatever the hell is supposed to happen to the power battery. And that bugs me because we've been down this road before and I'm sick of going down this fucking road. I read Green Lantern to read about Green Lanterns and that encompasses the power that they wield. So I'm sick of the, oh, depowered lanterns, what do we do thing? That's not a slight against... Uh, Jeffrey Thorne, it's just been there, done that. And I, and, but part of me still allows for the fact that, you know what, I'm 34. Uh, and even though I only started reading Green Lantern within the past 12 years or so, I've also been, you know, uniquely interested in it and gone back and soaked up prior years. So I'm aware of all that newer readers, newer entries into this infinite frontier or green or newly introduced to Green Lantern. This is a new concept for a lot of people. So, all right, whatever. Let's, I guess we're going to play with that. I also want to be upset about this series because I know we're losing Dexter Soy uh, with issue three. Um, but I can't judge issue one based on where issue three is going to go artistically. That's not fair. So I have to judge this this book by what is between the cover pages. The, the And I really enjoyed it. Uh, I really in, enjoyed it. I think I thought John was portrayed very well. Uh, the Kryptonian thing you and I talked about, I thought that was cool. I do uh, the United Planets thing is always, uh, uh, you know, just just the name alone is Legion based, so that's going to happen. Um, but uh, I I I I enjoyed this thing. There there are a couple of problems I have here and there. Um, uh, I think this mystery guy towards the end that just shows up with the uh, with the, the the kind of knowledge and information to um, to help John and them defeat this thing, he kind of bothers me because to me he's and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, maybe I'm furthering stereotypes, but he's very Native American looking and talking. Like he very spiritual and this sort of a thing. Uh, he reminds me of some of the Native American characters in DC. Um, like what's his name that grows very big and um, things like that. I've, I've, I've forgotten. I don't want to, you know, sp- you know, say pause everything in my research this. But I, I thought for a first issue, this is a very strong start. And I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of stuff in here about the star heart. And, and let me talk a bit about the planets. So, we mentioned Daxum. We already talked about that. Tamaran is another thing that's mentioned here. I don't think we have to talk about it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's the planet Star Saf- or Star uh, Starfire. Sorry, comes from um, the Tamaranians. Um, so yeah, that's that's a most most DC fans know what Tamaran is. So the others, let me start with one that you might know. Graxos Four. You know what Graxos Four is? What is it? It sounds familiar. Yeah, it's a Rhesus planet. Oh, yes, that's why it sounds familiar. Yeah, uh, that one is a Rhesus planet. Um, another one you might know if you remember your Hal in the Core, Jakul. Try to remember who was from Jakul. 
Was that was that Hal in the core or was that the Green Lantern core? That was Hal in the core. Jakul is the planet Zod's family is on. Oh, okay. That's a that so that's their their version like their all their version of New Krypton, pretty much. Basically. So Jakul, interesting. Jakul votes to deny. It's Zod's planet, based on what we know what happened in that storyline. Okay, kind of makes sense. Uh, Graxos V votes to accept. It's the home of Aresia, and her entire family has a lineage of Green Lanterns in them. They accept it. Makes sense. All right. Another another one that I think is interesting. Uh, this one is much more obscure, so uh, uh, I don't expect you to know it off offhand. But Merg, M-Y-R-G, also known as Moig. The fact that I said that with an accent might help you. Moig. You know what Moig is? I'm not even going to guess it based on how I'm doing so far. Moig is the planet that Doiby Dickles rules. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I should have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. And Moig <laughs> votes to accept. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, now we're going to get into some of the more obscure stuff. Now, this is where Legion knowledge comes in, which Mark, we know, is not a fan of Legion. So, um I'm more of a fan, but I don't necessarily follow it. Uh, I did listen to a podcast for a while about Legion, so I have a little bit more information other than outside of what I've only read. Bismol, B-I-S-M-O-L-L. Bismol is the planet that Matter Eater Lad is from, which was seeded by Monel. So that's cool. Um, Hycraeus. Now Hycraeus, I didn't. Uh, most of these I didn't need to need to look up, but. Hycraeus, I didn't need to look up because I just mentioned to you guys I've been rereading the New Krypton stuff. One of the prominent Legion members in the New Krypton stuff is Telus. Telus is from Hycraeus. Uh, it's interesting that they voted to deny, but all I know about Hycraeus is Telus. I don't know anything about his people. Um, so that's interesting. They A bunch of telepaths, basically. And the last planet uh, that's mentioned is not one of the ones that says, you know, votes to accept, votes to deny, whatever. It is actually the planet that this antagonist is from, these elementals. Xerox uh, or Xerox. I, I probably I'm going to probably say Xerox. Xerox is um, Xerox. Unless they like making a lot of copies. They maybe yeah. not. <laughs> Xerox is to magic. Xerox is to magic and uh magical dimensions like uh, as a planet like the um the rock of eternity is to magic as well so basically it's a it's a they, you know how like in the past they've said that earth is key to the multiverse yes xerox is key to the magic is it's the planetary key to magic xerox is the home planet of mordru Who's one of the big villains of the Legion of Superheroes, a, a magician or a sorcerer. Xerox is, you know, can open uh, touch point doorways to Gemworld, which is mentioned here. Uh, Hell, Scar Terrace, uh, which is Warworld, uh, uh, or war, where war, Warlord is from, rather. Uh, even the Dreaming, uh, freaking, like the red and the green stuff like that. If it's magical based, Xerox has kind of doorways into it in, in some way, shape or form. It's basically a planet of, of magic essentially. Um, which makes sense because these people here are sort of 
all about the chaos of magic and how magic should be allowed to run free, which is kind of what now more, more drew in terms of the Legion of superheroes. Uh, obviously he's a villain. Obviously he's, he's got evil intentions. He's got more for the most part in terms of his, um, his other, his appearances, he's got more of a, I want to be ruler of it all sort of a thing. Um, but he's very much of just about the power of magic and the chaos of it and, and all of this stuff. So the fact, the fact that these people are like a, uh, you know, a, a sect or whatever from Xerox kind of lends towards the his, the future, the potential future history of Xerox in terms of uh, Mordru. So that makes sense to me in much the same way that we're seeing now the beginnings of the United Planets, which is something that exists in the Legion of Superheroes in the future. Um, I thought it was interesting that they voted to accept the Guardians and Oa here, because we know, historically speaking, that by the time we get to the Legion of Superheroes, outside of this Gold Lantern, it's been in recent Legion publication, outside of the Gold Lantern, there really is no Green Lanterns in the future. So it makes the, the mystery of what the hell happened to the Green Lantern Corps between the founding of the United Planets and then what it becomes in the 30th or 31st century uh, with the Legion of Superheroes, what what happened to the Corps. So the I found it really interesting, the amount of Legion tie-ins here, not just with the United Planets. I mean, they went by referencing the home world of Matter Eater Lad, the home world of Telus, and so on and so forth. There's a lot of Legion in this. Um, and, and having these antagonists be from Xerox, which is the home world of Mordru, that's that's really interesting to me. The whole Starheart stuff, I mean, there's a there's a lot of interesting crap going on here. Now, the fact that it's more and more Legion-based when you were already put off-put by United Planets, uh, I don't know how that's going to sit with you, but um, it definitely intrigued me. I'm uh, out, Chad. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely intrigued me. I thought, uh, again, it was it was really interesting to me, and I enjoyed it a whole lot more than I thought I would. Honestly, though, I said I was I I am not going to judge it for what this book will become artistically, but I will say, surprisingly enjoying this book as much as I did is almost making me that much sadder that we're losing Dexter Soy and that Tom Rainey's coming on the yard. And again, guys out there, if you missed previous episodes. Tom Rainey is not a bad artist in terms of talent in his in in his command of the the various techniques used by an artist. Tom Rainey's style as a whole is not an artistic style which appeals to my eye. It's so it's nothing he's doing wrong. It's just in terms of art, you know, the, the type of art that appeals to one person is not the type of art that appeals to another. Tom Rainey's art is not appealing to me. So I already know that by the time issue three arrives, I'm going to be upset about some aspect of this. Now I don't have to worry so much about the story, at least from reading this issue. Um, Again, I have problems with the idea of, you know, the power battery losing power and all of this stuff, but we're not there yet. So based on this issue and this issue alone, I'm excited about the potential of the story moving forward, but I already know half of the book I'm going to not like by issue three. And that sort of makes me mourn all the more because it'd be one thing if you're like, ah, oh, Tom Rainey's leaving. 
You know, I was already anticipating issue one and two. I wasn't going to like based on solicit text or interviews or A, B, C, D, E. Uh, but at least I'll have a fun art book to look at. But I expect to just wholly hate the book by by issue three. Uh, now I really like where the story is heading. And I really enjoyed the art in this for the most part. So now I'm just it, it almost makes me feel like I'm, uh, it, it deepens the sense of loss uh, for Dexter Soy uh, leaving the book. Um, by issue three. No, I know he's your boy. So, uh, but I, let's just see how this plays out. I mean, it's is it off? Is it off to a good start? Yes, it's off to a certainly a better start than a lot of people would have thought. But not to not not to rain for the parade too much. We didn't hate the Grant Morrison number one issue either. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> it, it was better than we thought it was going to be too. And then and then look what happened. Um, but it was it was a pleasant surprise. I would I would say that. Uh, yeah, if you're looking at if you're looking at the covers for issues, if you're looking at the covers for issues, the the main covers for issues one, two, and three, we look at issue one. So first of all, the the, the title logo where it says Green Lantern with the the symbol in the middle, that reminds me of uh, Leighton Kyle Rayner's run. Yes, actually, I was thinking that too. But look at the symbol. It's whole. If you look at the cover uh, image, the cover art for issue two, the main cover, the Green Lantern symbol is starting to shatter. If you look at the cover image for Green Lantern three, the Green Lantern logo is shattered and on fire. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it's subtle. So and let's see, where's uh, <laughs> and by the time we get to issue five, it'll be that little that little uh, dumpster fire. <laughs> So solicit text for issue two, a guardian of the universe lies dead. Okay, we're there. And the universe teeters on the brink of war. As as the summit of the United Planets in the Green Lantern Corps falls into chaos, an even bigger threat looms with Jon Stewart reassigned to the role of an ambassador and surprise appearance by one of the newest Green Lanterns. So we're assuming that's Joe. May all that be all that stands between the core and oblivion. Okay, right. Next, Green Lantern 3 solicit to match up with the fact that the, ring, the the symbol is exploded on fire. Stranded in a dark sector with no rings and no backup, Jon Stewart is out of options, his back against the wall. After the central power battery dies, Jon must live long enough to gather the surviving Green Lanterns and find a way home, while one of the newest Green Lanterns, Joe Mullen, navigates uh, a host of unknown dangers on the Green Lantern's home world of Oa as she works to uncover the cause of the battery's collapse and who was behind it. So she gets to continue in her capacity as kind of a detective among the Lantern Corps. So that's interesting, but it looks like by the end of issue two, we're going to lose the power battery in some way, shape or form. So I don't know how long Dexter, uh, sorry, not Dexter, sorry. Uh, Jeffrey Thorne is supposed to be on this title. But I'm really hoping that the destruction of the power battery and the loss of the power is just like the first six issues or something. Just the, just his first arc. And that it's not going to be a long, be the status quo very long. Because I know that future state was like possible potential futures. I'm hoping it's not a possible potential future that continues ongoing as, as reality as we know it. Yeah, I definitely would agree. Yeah, realistically, it can't be because it's, the title is fucking Green Lantern. But um, yeah, the fact that the power battery, you know, it is is gone or incapacitated by the end of issue two happens so freaking fast in this series. I'm hoping that just means 
this is just a first arc thing and by the second arc we'll have a new power battery in some way shape or form yeah let's 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 see how that plays out i'm not i'm not really thrilled with that concept of destroying the central power battery again too i agree i agree with you there so we're gonna have to yeah we're gonna we're gonna have to see how that plays out i'm not i'm willing to be open-minded again especially how it gets done but it better we don't want the lord knows we don't want this to be the uh like the 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 Kund version of a power battery being destroyed, carrying on for like two years, or seemingly carrying on for that long. Yeah, I mean, I I I gotta you know I I again I know you don't like the Legion references, but storytelling, art, and even like you know research. So we talked a bit about obviously I talked a bit about the Legion and stuff, but the fact that Moig is a part of this, you know, just mentioned. I mean, freaking Adobe Dickles reference. That's awesome. I I gotta. I mean, like, it, it, it's one thing to mention the Starheart and magic and the Guardians' connection to magic, in terms of what they did with the Starheart and everything. That's cool in and of itself. But to take it a step further and just straight up reference Adobe Dickles with that planet, that's that's freaking cool. You have to admit. And, and you know, there's other references we didn't even talk about. Uh, the Guardians mentioned at one point that Jon Stewart, uh, you know, kind of took on the role of a Guardian. Guys, that's a that's a mosaic reference. Yeah, we did talk about that. Oh, we did. I'm sorry. OK, but it's all right. I'm um, just saying we, we that one. We, that one we didn't let go. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, another thing that the, the 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 splash page, the one page splash where the Guardians are talking to the United Planets about like their role in in everything. They're talking about how their origins on Maltus and stuff like that, which is not necessarily a reference, basically, in terms of a, a specific thing, but. Kind of, you know, one of our promos talks about how the history of Green Lantern is the history of the DC universe. That one page solidifies that. Like they they basically recap their own history and say we were here first, and not not in an arrogant way in terms of saying, you know, uh, you know, we should have the end all be all say. They they actually call themselves. If anything, that makes us your eldest siblings. But I really like how they reinforce the the Guardian's role in the history of the entire universe here, too. I would say that's I would agree with that. And then Sinestro talking about the Manhunters and Krona and all that other stuff. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of cool stuff that happens here. A lot of cool references um, that kind of help tie in history, touchpoint history moments in, in Green Lantern history beyond just, you know, the modern age. Yeah, there's there's a lot to like here, at least in this one issue. And we just have to see we just have to see where, you know, where it goes after that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm going to have a real hard time being positive when we're stuck in the story of a depowered Lantern Corps. I'm going to try my best, guys, but we all know I'm going to I'm probably going to trip up a little bit when the when we hit that art change with Tom Ramey, Rainey. But I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to judge the series issue by issue and not let outside forces influence my opinion as, as the lantern cast, like guys, we, we, we are aware of various interviews and controversies and stuff like that, that involve green lantern in whatever way, but whatever we learn about writer or solicits or potential direction, I'm going to try to not let influence my opinions of this, of the actual content. I'm going to try and judge it for what the issue itself is. 
That makes sense. That's a good, that's always a, that's always a healthy approach. Yeah. So at the end of the day, guys, I like this. Uh, it's good to see lanterns that I recognize speaking dialects and <laughs> that I can understand. Um, uh, and, uh, feeling it, taking place in places I re- I recognize in a DC universe I easily can pick up the the clues for um, and I you know so as much as I love Far Sector I'm not familiar with this world that she's operating in and I have problems with some of like the names of places and peoples and things like that um, and then of course the incoherent mess that was the Green Lantern series. I'm just happy to be in a place I recognize again, honestly. There is something to be said for that. About there, It is a nice change of pace to getting to the point where even if you don't like this necessarily, and, and so far we both do, but if we, for the sake of argument, if we end up not liking the story, at least we understood the story that we didn't like <laughs> without having to do eight hours of research to figure out, oh, that's why we didn't like it or why we should have, quote unquote, liked it. Yeah, 100%. All right. Where else do we want to go from here? Um, let's do a little. Let's let's do a little bit of, of feedback. Not and then if and then we can if we can roll into the roll into the Funko stuff and we can finish up the rest of the feedback when we do the Far Sector episode, which will be that'll be the next one. So yeah, we, um, as we record this, guys, we're recording this on Wednesday the seventh. Um, so Green Lantern one came out. I mean, technically DC stuff releases on Tuesdays. Um, but came out this week, uh, and so did Far Sector 11. So, so that's the, the finale for King and Black, by the way. Yeah, that is true. I remember I, I actually was talking to Anthony at my comic shop about that. Uh, did you know, by the way, did you ever play Magic the Gathering? No, I was never. I I spent a lot of time at my comic shop, and that was like really the big, the big, big thing uh, between that and Pokemon. And but no, I never, I I never got into Magic the Gathering at all. I never played it, but I was always curious about the world. By the way, guys, Boom Studios, just same week, releases Magic the Gathering number one. I picked up the issue. I haven't read it yet because I picked up my my comics like two hours before we started recording tonight. Um, so I haven't had a chance to read everything. But there's a lot of good stuff that came out this week in terms of interesting new stuff. I just thought it was really interesting that we finally got a Magic comic. That was really interesting to me. And then uh, Jeff Johns uh, and Gary Frank's new series at Image, Geiger. That came out today, uh, and the a really interesting series, uh, like a horror anthology book, with a bunch of different people chipping in on various stories. The Silver Coin from Image Comics that came out. There's a there's a lot of interesting stuff that hit this week. Obviously, we don't need to go down the tangent of what each of these things are, but I just just scrolling through this, just looking through the stuff I alone picked up, not not even the stuff that I skipped because I'm not interested in the concept or whatever. There's a lot of interesting comics that came out this week. That is true. All right, so let me pull up the inbox here. Well, before we go to the inbox, let's we actually have we actually have something to the website, so that's a rarity. So let's, Ooh, yeah, uh, so. this is something. I, is it a comment you approved? Yes. Three twenty six actually. Uh, Which is what episode? It was episode 429, the end of the Green Lantern wrap-up. Uh, okay, there it is. Pulling it up now. <clears throat> oh, hey, there is one. Huh? Yep. It's, it's just so rare that someone leaves a comment on Yes, our that's not junk. Website. Yes, it is. Yes. So that's one, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to I wanted to reward Shane. I wanted to make sure that whenever we did feedback next, we, we definitely got that one. So Shane 
Shane writes, I hate to put it this way, but this series has mercifully come to an end with issue 12 in which, well, something happens. And Hal fights Hector Hammond. Morrison plots the second quote unquote season. Right, Morrison's plots the second season have all have been all over the place and confusing, which is a real shame because the art is great and his grasp of Hal's character and history is very strong. I've read all the Silver Age Green Lantern and a random smattering of Bronze Age, and I've read JLA through issue 146, thanks to Omnibus reprints. So when Morrison incorporates a character or a plot point from the 60s and 70s issues, I often recognize it, and it's great to see all of Hal's printed history treated as relevant and valid. The Bronze Giants come from a Silver Age Flash story, and Morrison even references a Jack Kirby Green Arrow story in one issue. But the plots and dialogue have been gibberish to be blunt. I'm sure they make sense to Morrison, and I'm sure I could work hard and decipher them. But should I have to? All that great character work and incorporation of Hal's history goes to waste because I can't really tell what's going on half the time. The book started out well, and the first 12 issues were pretty good. And so was the annual and the miniseries. I just went off the rails in the second 12 issues. Ready for a new writer? Definitely. Now, what's what's interesting about that to me is... I think the first the first season was a little more consistent because you knew you knew where it was going all along. You knew what the you you knew very early what the whole what the main plot was related to the to the Black Stars and Belzebeth and rewrite and Controller Moo and all that stuff. But it does seem like for whatever it's worth, almost everybody says the same. The consensus opinion based on what. I've seen is that most people like season one or thought they'd like season one at least better. Even if they didn't love season one, they liked season one a hell of a lot more than season two, which is interesting because I didn't love season one and I didn't, it's weird because I, I might like season two a little bit better, but because even though it wasn't, it's, it was harder to understand what was going on in season two. I think that's, I think I would absolutely agree with that. But, it, but to me, maybe in a way, because they were kind of like zigzagging from different stories it made it a little less, I'm trying to find the right word, but it, it was a little less, not depressing, but it, it, weighed, it was weighed down, I thought. Season one, I thought it was weighed down because I didn't care much about any Black Star or vari- Dark Star variation because we just had gotten that at the end of the Venditti run. And I just, and you knew how being going undercover was, that you know, you knew that was never, you kind of could see through that and where that was going to go to a certain extent. But I, so, but I can see where people like season one more than season two but it just it, i just find it interesting that so many people say the same thing that oh yeah season two was a complete you know dumpster fire compared to season one well i do think there were some good issues in season two but it just it, it wasn't enough to save to save the overall season or i think or the run for me yeah i think so uh, it's the the interesting thing for me here is here's somebody who recognizes the references right off the bat and still doesn't like it. True. That that that's a really interesting and and that invaluable perspective. Yeah, he he gets the references right off right right from word jump, and uh, and he still doesn't understand what the hell's going on. So that's that's it almost makes you feel vindicated, but at the same time, it's also interesting to me that um it almost makes me more mad like so he understands it right from word jump in terms of the references we would have to research it to figure it out to to get it and then even then it wouldn't do anything to help us understand what the hell's going on 
So people who get it, who, who understand the references, don't understand it. And then you're making people who don't get your references research said references and waste their time because they still won't get it after they're done. So I don't know. At the end of the day, I'm just glad it's over. I would say that's a fair assessment overall, I think. But again, cautiously, you know, to be careful what you wish for. But at the end of the day, even if we don't like where this thorn stuff goes, the odds are we're going to understand what the hell's going on. Yeah. And that and that is an, that is a that is a check in a positive column that at the very least, because that was and that makes it less frustrating. It's like if you don't like it, you don't like it. But at least you understood it. It wasn't your cup of tea, but you understood it. You just disagree with the decisions and the stories being told or the way they were told. But the Morrison stuff, it's it was hard to know how it's like you could sometimes you could see there were some really cool things in there. And it, and he did seem to get how, which I commented on in that issue, in that episode about those issues and the overall run. But because it's so difficult to understand what the hell what the hell is going on a lot of the time that it just makes you not, you know, you just kind of like you flip the switch and you don't care. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for doing that, man. I, we, we appreciate that. We, like I said, uh, you heard my reaction live on air. I had, I had no idea that we even had a comment on the website. It's been so long since we've had one. We don't even really talk about le- as a feedback option, leaving a comment on our website. Usually, yes. Mostly because what we get the general, you get the generic spam stuff. But however, if you want to guarantee a, a prime time spot on a listener feedback, leave a Leave one there, just to, if nothing else, just to get this the, the shocking reaction from Chad Bokeman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, email wise, what do we got? You want to do? Do you want to do Ryan? Which one? Oh, does he have two? He has two. Yeah, one titled. Oh uh, no, I was, I was working my way up in chronological order, so the finale. Okay. All right. Ryan says, just writing in to say I agree with Chad on everything about Morrison's GL. You're welcome. Uh, the story has been jumping all over the place for two years and for me made no sense whatsoever. All this lead up for Hector to be the final boss, pretty bled, pretty let down. One thing I hope to be taken from this is that it seemed to confirm and continue the idea that the rings are more like a Jarvis AI than a Siri AI now. And I like that. I have not enjoyed Sharp as the artist either. While I do say the painting style is a big improvement in that individually, there are some great images. But as far as connecting images to tell a story, there was far too many what is that image supposed to be moments. I would also like to say that the annual was my favorite issue of the past two years. My hopes are high for Thorne, but I agree that the art change is a downer and another the lantern is dead story has me worried. I just hope it doesn't last too long and lead into the GL infinite story. I wonder if they will keep the story of John now having a, quote, internal ring that is tattooed on his finger, as discussed at Mosaic Comics, only on YouTube. <laughs> no no truth to the rumor that Dan paid for that. <laughs> well, I doubt they're going to go with the tattooed thing since we didn't. We didn't. I mean, I, I know the future state is a possible future, but if they're and but we certainly didn't see evidence of it there. Which doesn't mean they can't do it. No, oh, I mean, the internal power thing is actually from the Justice League series. But the tattoo, isn't the tattoo related to the, isn't that related to the, the uh, what, infrared or whatever it is, lanterns? Yeah, yeah, it is. And the eternal, I mean, I mean, you think about it, John did swallow a power ring at one point. <laughs> 
speaking of tying to mosaic uh but again either way there there was no evidence in future in future state that john had any power so i don't know if they're going to go if they're going to go that route um by most of his points i would say i would i would agree with you like i like the annual but you like that more than me i don't think that was my favorite issue uh but it was one of the that was it was one of the more straightforward and more enjoyable issues that we that we had to deal with over the past two years i i'm in i'm in between you guys with sharp i think sharp's a really good artist and they're t- and but the, and i know the change in styles was done for a reason but sometimes that bothered me a little bit that the change in tone it's, it's great for his abilities to show that he could do that so it was like a tour de force to be able to be able to give you that all that different kind of work but so I, I'm somewhere in the middle, leaning towards closer to, to your take, and mo- I think most people's take on Liam Sharp's art than on Ryan's. But I, I can see at least some of what he's talking about. Uh, I disagree with him on the art. Obviously, I really enjoyed it, um, but it seems like he has a lot of the same concerns uh, that we did. So I don't have much to elaborate on here. But uh, I, I thank you so much for the email, man. We appreciate it. Yes. So we'll move on to Mark. Mm-hmm. Season two review and John Stewart new series is the title of the email. Uh, thanks for the review of season two. I agree. Great art. And while the writing was interesting and multi-layered at times, I, it too, it was too disjointed most of the time and didn't lead anywhere. Agreed. I think Jessica Cruz should be featured alongside John Stewart. They're so different. It would be a fun partnership to follow. It probably would work, but it doesn't seem like that's where they're going. <laughs> it looks like it's going to be all Joe all the time. Uh, if there's going to be somebody, if there's going to be a, John's going to have a female partner and not getting the, the Hawk girl thing. If it's going to be another lantern, it's probably would be, it would be Joe. Uh, yeah, probably going to end up being Joe. Yeah. I think we, I think we know even from this issue, it seems like this issue certainly implies that if there's going to be four land and we, we, with an asterisk, because this issue doesn't really talk about Joe, but we know from the solicits and, and, and future state and everything else, we know she's coming. So that's the reason why I'm going to include her in this. But we know from this issue, going with this issue and, and the solicits, it would seem like the, the four lanterns that are going to get a whole lot of screen time are going to be John, Simon, hopefully not, but Simon based on this issue, Teen Lantern, and Joe. So... That seems to be where they're going with this. Uh, All right. Who's next? Uh, now you want to do the other one from Ryan? Sure. Uh, spo- spoilers, by the way, guys. This is his uh, response to Godzilla vs. Kong. If you haven't listened to that episode or seen the movie, uh, spoilers here for the film. Um, what a great movie. The action made me audibly gasp several times. Uh, even the human stories were just fine. There were a couple of things I had to ignore because it was strange, though. You're telling me Godzilla used his atomic breath to burrow 4,000 miles to the center of the Earth. And then Kong climbed up that 4,000-mile hole to fight Godzilla? I'm not complaining about it, but I certainly had to give it a pass. But it was great to see these battles in the light rather than like the first Godzilla movie. That was all night. Plus, Kong looked great. The fights were top-notch, too. Maybe you can help clarify, but how did Mechagodzilla gain its own sentience? Is it just the formula they made uh, that restored Ghidorah's consciousness? Uh, either way, it was awesome to see them team up and then give each other respect. Uh, I think that's the kind of the, the conclusion you and I came to is that uh, it's it, it's probably not like the the exact consciousness and like 
you know, memories and everything of Ghidorah, but probably like his animal instinct at the very least. And I do think there's some memory in there. And then we have the, uh, and, and obviously whatever that do ex machina power source was that probably enabled Ghidorah to override everything and take over. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, not like, not like he necessarily wasn't trying to influence you know, the pilot to begin with, but the reality is when, with that power source, which is what, you know, that amped everything up so much that he was able to just, Hey, screw this. I'm going to do what I want to do. And what I want to do is I want to kill this lizard. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah, the 4,000 mile hole. So I think, I think that freaking the little weird ass portal that they went through, I think that had to have been present when Godzilla drilled this hole. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm of, I'm of the opinion that those little portals or whatever don't exist only in the openings that already exist down to the hollow earth, but it's like a, an energy field around hollow earth. So even if you drill a new hole, there's a point at which gravity becomes inverted and that whole um, portal thing is there. So I'm, I, I, I'm, I don't think, I don't think uh, Kong literally climbed 4,000 miles. And, and if he did, there's a good built-in excuse for why he lost. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 shit, this is too tough, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure the 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 because I think they explained the portal like inverted gravity in a way. So, or actually, doesn't what's his name's brother like who we never meet, but we're told he was crushed by the gravity inversion. Uh, that 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 occurrence happened before I guess they even got to the portal, huh? Yeah, I I think I think so. I mean, if they did, if they didn't, the problem was that if they didn't show him like kind of like climbing in and the Hollow Earth side and then climbing out, you could almost it could almost be almost like a boom tube effect or just a gravity effect. Where once you get kind of like you get, once you get lift once you get lifted up, it basically just like carries you all the way through. But based based on the way it looked when he was getting in and getting out, it does certainly at the very least give the impression that he was kind of high tailing it the whole way with, with him and the axe, and it's like. Yeah, I think it's I mean, it's it's all they almost made it look like a warp speed sort of effect, but also mixed with like some Willy Wonka ride down the tunnel effect. That is true. Um, all right. Uh, I guess last but not least, we got a voicemail, huh? Yes, we will. We will do. We will do Corwin's voicemail. Uh, Corwin, who we've been we've been prodding Corwin, you know, to. Uh, to, to leave us a voicemail and uh it's good it's good to know that he actually uh he actually did come come through uh it's the second one right yeah hey fellas it's corwin uh been meaning the message for a while i do apologize i've had notes on everything for like wonder woman 84 and some other episodes and something happened to the notes so i've just completely lost track so yeah missed you fellas so just finished listening to the episode with Dan about the end of Morrison's run, decided it was time for me to call in, kind of freestyle it. Um, I will say I did not enjoy the second season of Grant Morrison's Green Lantern run as much as the first. Um, I remember especially enjoying the whole Black Stars three-issue uh, miniseries with the whole vampire's daughter. I think I enjoyed that a lot. Besides that, I am looking forward to the uh, New Frontier stuff. Um the, the cover of the new Green Lantern number one has Saranic Natu on it, which is kind of curious for me, so I'm looking forward to reading that. 
Besides that, Chad, Kenny, and Black, I'm also um, reading most of the issues in that. But really, for everybody else, it's one of those stories where you can stick to the main series and maybe the Venom series as well. They work together. Um, I have read other books. I will say that the Thunderbolts book is fantastic and hilarious. doesn't really tie in heavily to the main book, but it is something worth checking out. Um, but yeah, enjoying King and Black as well. Looking forward to hearing more from you guys. Looking forward to, you know, this new run on Green Lantern. And let's uh, hope it's everything that Morrison was supposed to be and that we love it. All right. Talk to you fellas later. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, man, what do you want to touch on there? Well, obviously, he'll be disappointed in the Sornik Natu thing. <laughs> we, we hope you read the issue first before you listen to this episode. <laughs> um. Again, he's an. I was thinking of Corman when I was mentioning about the people who are, <clears throat> excuse me, again who are greater fans of season one compared to season two. I can kind of see it, like I said. I mean, I, I don't see there's a huge difference for me. I just, I just kind of were judging it by issues. At least season one was more coherent from a perspective. Uh, there was one major storyline going through all of it. There were some issues that didn't really relate to it like the, the mere widden one and things like that on the surface. But the reality is you had one major story that was kind of like kept rearing its head, even if it was every other issue or so you can't say that for season two. So, so I get it. Um, yeah. It's too bad. He didn't call on about wonder woman 84 and some of the other things that we've done. Yeah. We I think we're all hoping that we're going to enjoy green lantern more than we had the last couple of years. As far it really seems like it for sure. Go ahead, talk about your king in black. Just don't, just don't spend an hour on it. <laughs> I can't. I'm not. I'm not fully caught up. But there's a lot of shit happening in that. That's uh, that's impacting the MCU. Uh, well, the MCU, uh, the, just the Marvel Jimmy. universe in general. There's some, uh, there's some uh, Captain Universe stuff too, and there's there's a lot of big big deals going down. But I think, uh, I think Corwin's right. Yeah, the it's it's King in Black and Venom. Kind of, kind of the way Blackest Night was like. You get enough if you read Blackest Night and Green Lantern. Uh, maybe a little more if you read Green Lantern Corps, but the other stuff is not necessarily necessary. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not caught up. But I, I'll, I'll tell you what, guys. I, I, I have a physical copy of every tie-in for King and Black, and you know those um, specialty short boxes they make with the art printed on them. Yeah. There's a, there's a King and Black short box. I bought that and I put my King and Black issues in the King and Black short box. And a lot of what Donny Cates has been doing uh, and, and other titles has fed into King and Black, like his uh, uh, Silver Surfer Black miniseries, um, you know, Cosmic, uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider, um, his Thor series, Venom, of course, things like that. Uh, so I'm basically just calling my king in black box my uh my donny cates box at this point so yeah there's a there's a lot there's a lot of stuff going on there and and maybe maybe i can throw that in the in the contest the twitter follower contest thing because i have the physical copy of every single one of those but i haven't redeemed the digital codes so maybe i'll just throw in all the codes i don't know someone you could get the entire king in black event for free from the Lantern cast, <laughs> the Green Lantern podcast. <laughs>
Uh, no, King of Black. We, we, uh, King we, of Black we, is good. We do what we can, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of, by the way, uh, follower count is at eight ninety nine. Creeping ever closer. Ever closer, ever closer. Hopefully, we'll hit it this year. Uh, so a thousand is the goal, guys. Go listen to episode four twenty two. I, I believe it was. All right, what else we got? I'm gonna just mention it to let them know so they can go buy it. Oh, I, in all honesty, I almost I almost zoned out about it because of. Go like, ahead, you guess. You can uh, so, you can do your push. Yeah, so in February, it was announced that uh, Hot Topic would be getting uh, – so, uh, so Funko, Funko Pops, the Funko Vinyls, uh, they have store exclusives, and they have agreements with different different brands. Um, Hot Topic obviously has – carries regular pops, and then some hot, they get Hot Topic exclusive stuff, stuff you can only buy through Hot Topic's website or through, uh, through in, in the store. They announced that they would be doing lantern pops in an exclusive way with, you know, as Hot Topic exclusive pops. Started with Black Hand. Black Hand is out. I've got mine. Mark, did you get one? I can't remember if you got one. Yeah, I got mine. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did. Uh, I, I ended up getting two. I just accidentally ordered two at the time. I think the extra one I'll probably throw in that prize uh, for the Twitter contest. But anyways, uh, Black Hand was announced as as a part of that. And then they also said that there'd be a white lantern is as the next one and that these things would be releasing quarterly. Haven't heard any news on the white lantern one. In the meantime, I had discovered and I think we might have discussed this on air or we definitely d- discussed this when we were podcasting. We might have stopped recording and then I showed you the link. Um one of the things I see as part of a, the the Funko group I'm a part of on Facebook is not just you know, preview images and stuff like that of the new Funkos coming out. Sometimes someone will give you like a screenshot of almost like an Excel file of upcoming products that a certain store is expecting to receive in stock. And one of the codes read Black Lantern Wonder Woman. I hadn't seen anything about it until today, April 7th. Uh, it, it, the Black Lantern, one, there's there's going to be a Wonder Woman 80th anniversary series of Funko Pops, and it's basically Wonder Woman in various outfits. Uh, they announced today two of those. One of them is the Red Sun Wonder Woman, which does look pretty cool. Another one is Black Lantern Wonder Woman. She is out now. Uh, that is the common. That should be available most everywhere, but specifically I ordered mine from Entertainment Earth. Say an hour later, maybe less. There's a glow-in-the-dark variant for the Black Lantern Wonder Woman that is an Amazon-only exclusive, so you can only get it through Amazon. I have ordered both. Now we know I'm an easy mark for Funko Pops in general, but <laughs> I'll quite uh, quite honestly, if you guys have like the slightest interest in these things, pick them up because. Funko didn't give us this stuff when Blackest Night was happening or even Brightest Day. They're finally giving it to us now of all times when Green Lantern merch is the scarcest it's ever been. So even if I was only mildly interested in these things, I'd still be getting them because at the very least, I want to say I did my part to try and prove to someone that the market exists for more Green Lantern merch. It's just it's 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 the same thing with comics. Like the the idea that you have to vote with your dollars, that's what I'm doing. In addition to feeding my my frenzy for Funko Pops, but yeah, I I just we're so light on anything Green Lantern that I'm just happy to to 
jump at something that's right up my alley. But these are available. I think it'll be, uh, these are available now for pre-order. I think they ship sometime in June. These are available for pre-order now. You should be able to easily get your hands on Blackest, the, the Black Lantern Wonder Woman because that's the common. The Black Lan- the glow-in-the-dark Black Lantern Wonder Woman is only available through Amazon. So if you when you hear this episode and you go check Amazon, if it's available, buy it if you're, if you're interested in it because if you wait, it's possible it's going to sell out. The exclusives tend to sell out. And for some reason, people are starting to get obsessed with glow variants. Um, as an example, you, you guys know, you should know at the very least, the variant covers and comics are becoming a bigger thing right now, a sought after thing. They're starting to, because variant covers are becoming a bigger thing now, they're starting to do different variants like they did in the 90s, like a, uh, a Berserker, the Boom Studios title that uh, Keanu Reeves is working on. Berserker has foil variants now. Uh, Geiger, that uh, that new series from Image that I mentioned earlier in the episode, the Jeff Johns and uh, Gary Frank series, the Image series. Geiger has multiple covers, one of which is a glow-in-the-dark variant cover. So same thing is happening with Funkos. People are interested in the blacklight variants or the flocked ones or glow-in-the-dark or and so on and so forth. So whenever there's a, an exclusive variant uh, a glow or something like that. Uh, it's one thing for it to be a chase. It's quite another for it to be a glow or something. Those tend to sell out faster. So if you hear this, if you go to Amazon uh, when you hear this and it's still available for pre-order and you're interested in it, pick it up the the, the moment you see it because if you wait, it's possible it'll sell out. Sell out. Is it is it unlikely because it's freaking Black Lantern Wonder Woman of all things? Sure. I don't know for sure that it'll sell out, but I'm just telling you now as someone who follows Funko and gets a lot of Funko stuff, it's likely to. So if you're interested, get it. Plus the wonder woman, the glow in the dark one. If you're only going to get one, that's the one to get. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. It is like two, it is like three bucks difference or two bucks difference. But the reality is, yeah, if you're going to get consider also considering it looks like a lot of her does glow up glow in the dark, even though it's weird that it's, in a way, it does. It tends not to accentuate the Black Lantern stuff as much, which I guess on one level makes sense because it's the Black Lantern stuff is black, but it just it's kind of it's just kind of weird. But it do, but if you like glow in the dark pops or just stuff in general that glows in the dark, it looks like at least a decent amount of her will glow in the dark, which you don't get a lot of sometimes with some of those glow in the dark variants. It's only a little bit here, a little bit there, but I. The sculpt is okay. If I liked Wonder Woman more than I do, I would consider it like like Chad and I were talking about before. Both both Jim and I think the Red Sun Wonder Woman is actually a cooler general in sculpting. It's just a better it's a better and more unique sculpt. I'm not going to order that one either. But but yeah, I want I I want my Saint Walker pop for God's sake. I want I want to see what the other lanterns from the Hot Topic exclusives are going to be. So that's yeah. that's more that's more up my alley than this. I mean I'm. I'm not going to be if they had a whole Black Lantern line like they had the uh, you know zombie line for Marvel. If they did that for just all these. I I wouldn't be running out and buying every single Black Lantern. Yeah. Uh, I've I've been I was I went down that road when you know when they released all the DC Direct figures. I I don't have a desire to go back and do that again now. It, it would have to it it would be characters that would appeal to me and Wonder Wonder Woman Wonder Woman wouldn't appeal to me that way. Black Lantern Superman wouldn't. Now maybe if it was the uh, 
the other the other Superman, like the Cal L, just the L, the one that got killed in Infinite Crisis or whatever. That would probably appeal to me more than if it was, you know, just a, a regular Superman in in a Black Lantern suit. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be selective, but I am definitely interested in these emotional spectrum pops. Let's see what we get out of those. Yeah, there's so everything I have to say here is pure speculation. There's nothing to suggest any of this, but we know there's a there's supposed to be quarterly. Uh, lantern pops exclusive to hot topic this black lantern wonder woman variant clearly doesn't count as that as the glow is an amazon exclusive and the regular is just a common so going off only the exclusives to hot topic that have been announced we've got black hand which is already out so by the way guys if you don't have one yet go to hottopic.com or go to your nearest hot topic i don't really think there's that big of a market. I mean, just for interest in Green Lantern right now, I wouldn't assume there's a big interest. So hopefully you guys should be able to easily find one. I don't I don't really know what the sales are on those right now. So we know the Black Lantern the, the Black Hand is out. And we know that the next one is supposed to be a white lantern. They didn't say, is it Dead Man Boston Brand? Is it Sinestro? Is it Hal? Is it is it Kyle? Or is it one of the other White Lanterns that were a White Lantern for like half a second, like Superman or Green Arrow or any of the others? Um, we don't we don't we don't know. But because they went with Black Hand first, and they say they're going White Lantern next, I'm thinking they're gonna do the New Guardians. They're gonna do Atrocitus, Larflees. We're going to get Sinestro in Yellow Lantern gear. We're going to get Hal in some new variant. We're going to get Saint Walker. We're going to get Indigo One, and we're going to get Star Sapphire. That's my thought, at least. It, there's nothing out there to indicate that in any way, shape, or form. Literally, all they have done is given us a black, land, black hand and said there will be a White Lantern. That's all that's confirmed that I can point to any sort of source on. So all of what I just said is pure speculation, but that's where I would think they would go. But another possibility is what Mark said of there just being a line of Black Lanterns, because I get that it's Wonder Woman's 80th anniversary. So you're just going to have a bunch of Wonder Woman variants. But why specifically Black Lantern Wonder Woman? Why choose that if you're not going to have other Black Lanterns? That doesn't make sense to me. Why? Because... And I posted about this on Twitter. Some of the other more interesting Black Lantern designs were like Black Lantern Elongated Man looked cool. Uh, Martian Manhunter. Arthur Curry. Like some of those looked really freaking cool. Carter Hall. Hawkman. He looked freaking crazy looking. And then, of course, you have Necron. So like in terms of just cool design or uniqueness or or whatever or, or popularity among Lantern fans. Why would you choose Black Lantern Wonder Woman unless there's going to be more Black Lanterns? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily know if they're obviously they were counting on this being a big year for Wonder Woman. So yeah. I and maybe it's that whole because you don't get as many even from a superhero perspective, you don't get as many even in the pop, I should say, in the pop perspective, you don't get as many female figures as you do male figures in the superhero line. If, and Wonder Woman is part of the Trinity, even though, again, she probably wouldn't be. She is. She may not necessarily be, the, you know, in the top three most popular DC characters at any given moment. She could be at. I'm sure she is at some time. You know, when you're taking when you're checking the pulse, I'm sure she is at certain times. She and she has been. But it. But she is, you know, part of the Trinity. 
So the reality is that they, that could, that could be the, that could be the reason alone. And it, it, it is an, it is an odd choice, but then again, since they did the red sun one too, obviously they're pushing wonder woman. So I think it's, I think it's more likely that it's a wonder woman push. The reason why we got the black lantern wonder woman. And since she's not a hot topic exclusive, that probably doesn't factor into, into what they're going to, what they're going to do. But you're right. Just Funko in general could do a black, they could do a black lantern line. Uh, they, they kind of missed a boat on that too. Cause you think the best time to do that would have been in 2019 to do the 10th, 10th anniversary. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're both tired of running this team. So uh, if people want to reach us uh, and talk about this new era of green lantern, how do they do so? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook hashtag GLcast to track us down on either of those Spotify, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on any or all of those, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, 708 Lantern is the voicemail like Corwin used tonight. Text or email us. Let us know what you think. All right. I, I, next episode, safe to say, uh, Far Sector 11, right? That is the plan. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.